Welcome to Theology.fm. It's a theology podcast to make your life in theology look more like Jesus. This is the first ever show of Theology.fm, and so it's going to be an introduction to what you can expect on this show, how we're going to proceed, and maybe even how you yourself can contribute. So Theology.fm is a show contributed to by various podcasters, authors, speakers, and pastors from around the world. We're going to have speakers on here such as Greg Boyd, Ed Underwood, Wayne Jacobson, Darren Hufford, N.T. Wright maybe, and quite a few others, Brian Zond. So uh, what happens is, is I listen to a lot of podcasts on my commute to and from work. And as I do, I listen to things that really rock my world, that have shaped my theology and my thinking and how I understand certain biblical texts. And I often feel like I want to share these things with you. So I listen to, I don't know, 10 or 15 podcasts every week, I think. And that is an awful lot. I know your life is busy. So what I want to do, and I've gotten permission from all of these contributors, is to take some of their sermons, some of their messages, some of their own podcasts, and find the ones that I think are the best, the ones that that have really, they have an idea or a concept or an understanding of Scripture that is really going to change the way you read Scripture, the way you understand life, the way you view Jesus, the way you view sin, the way you interact with other people, how you think about church, how you think about God, all these other things. And I want to take these episodes, add a little bit of an introduction to them, and then pass them on to you so that you yourself can listen to them. So it's the best of the best, from the best. Okay? So uh, if, if you want to learn about theology, if you want to learn about Scripture, and especially, the, the really the emphasis, the goal, the focus on Theology.fm is that the, the theology that is done is going to be focused on the grace of God and filtered through the lens of Jesus Christ. A lot of my writing and some of my own podcasts, I talk about the crucifixion lens, viewing theology in God through the lens of Jesus Christ, and not just Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ on the cross. So that's sort of how I select which contributors are going to be on this show on Theology.fm. And there is a place on the website over at Theology.fm where you can suggest a podcast episode, a pastor, maybe an author, something they've recorded online uh, to to uh, be contributed, to be featured on the show. So if you have someone, a favorite pastor, a favorite preacher, maybe even your own, that's fine. Suggest your own. Go and uh, contribute that. Leave a, a link to the episode or the page where I can find the audio. I'll listen to it, and then uh, maybe we'll be able to add it to the Theology.fm show. Today, I just want to introduce you to sort of my approach to theology. And I'm going to do that through reading a book. (laughs) It's not my book. It's a book from somebody else. And that is probably a terrible, terrible way to begin a theology podcast, reading a book. Uh, Because whenever someone's reading in a podcast, you can almost always tell that that's what they're doing. But I found this parable. It's by Robert Farrar Capone. And I myself thought it was extremely insightful about theology. 
lot of times we Christians, we take theology way too seriously. We really, really are convinced that we know what we're talking about, that what comes out of our mouth is, you know, God's honest truth, the perfect revelation that has ever appeared to mankind, and what is these words I'm speaking from the pulpit or putting down on the page in a book. And we have to remember that honestly, if, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we, we don't know what we're talking about. Okay, so this, uh, this parable comes from Robert Farrar Capone. Listen, if you have never read any books by Robert Farrar Capone, you must. Start with the mystery of Christ and why we don't get it, and then go on from there. This uh, parable that I am reading to you comes out of his book, The Romance of the Word, which is really three books in one. And uh, the book, the specific book that he wrote, which is in that larger volume is Hunting the Divine Fox, This is, which is sort of a, a, an introduction to theology. And this parable he tells about theology comes in the introduction to that book, Hunting the Divine Fox. There's a link in the show notes so you can go see where this book is on Amazon or at Christian Book Distributors. Before we get to the parable, though, I do want to say that this podcast, this episode, today's show anyway, is brought to you by Logos Bible Software. I can't speak for any of the other authors, contributors, pastors, or speakers uh, on Theology.fm, but I myself use Logos Bible Software in all of my theology and Bible study. It's like if you've ever wanted to go to seminary, if you ever walked into a seminary or a Bible college and seen... Uh, many levels and, and floors of, of bookcases filled with books. That's what you get with Logos Bible Software. Thousands and thousands and thousands of volumes at the touch of your fingertips, instantly searchable, and containing some of the best resources, best study guides. And the best part about it is you can carry it around on your laptop. They even have versions you can carry around on your iPad. Uh, that is not something you'll ever be able to do with the Bible college library or a seminary library. But you can do it with Logos Bible Software. And uh, there's a link in the show notes to take you over to Logos. You can read about it there. Look, if you want to buy something, use my coupon code, jmyers6. That's going to give you 15% off any of your purchases over at Logos Bible Software. So with that in mind... Let's move on to today's episode, this introductory episode of Theology.fm. As I said, today's episode comes from Robert Farrar Capone, The Romance of the Word, and specifically his book, Hunting the Divine Fox. Here's a parable which he tells about theology. Once upon a time... In the mud, at a bottom of a tidal pool, there lived an oyster. By oyster's standards, he had a good life. The seawater was clean, it was full of plankton, and the green warmth of the light at low tide made him grow and prosper. Next to him lived a stone, with whom he sometimes talked. It was very much the same size, shape, and color as he, and was good if undemanding company. As a matter of fact, their conversations gave the oyster a definite feeling of superiority. He loved to dwell at length on the differences that underlay their apparent similarity. Rocks, he would say, are merely mineral. Oysters, 
may be mineral on the outside, but inside they are bona fide members of the animal kingdom. One day, however, the stone surprised him by coming up with a rejoinder. It pointed out that there were nonetheless some advantages to being further down the evolutionary scale. Rocks have fewer enemies than oysters. Starfish and oyster drills, it observed, were no threat to stones. To the oyster, they were a matter of life and death. Furthermore, the stone told him, it was getting just a little bit tired of being put down by an oyster with airs. He might get a lesson in humility if he would listen to some of the things the starfish say about oysters, things which the oyster never heard because it was too busy being mortally afraid, but which the stone heard regularly and with amusement. Starfish, it seems, have a low opinion of oysters. They eat them, but they always refer to them as nothing more than a rock with a stomach. In fact, what passes for starfish humor invariably has to do with how stupid it is to be an animal and not be able to move about. The worst thing one starfish can call another is sessile creature. The oyster terminated the discussion huffily and went into a state of profound depression. To have everything he had been so proud of become the butt of an underwater ethnic wisecrack made life not worth living. Existence, he concluded, was nothing but a cruel joke. All the faith he once had in a grand design of the evolutionary scheme forsook him. Better to believe in nothing than dignify this farce of a world with its pretensions of order. He became an anti-evolutionist and stopped saying his prayers. For a while, righteous indignation made the losing of his religion rather fun, as it always does. But as summer wore on into fall and the water began its slow progress to winter's cold, he became merely sour, angry at the universe, but even more angry at himself for having let it turn him into a grouch. Finally, in desperation, he decided he would pray once again but this time with a difference. No more mumbling of set pieties. He saw himself as a Job among oysters. He would open his shell and curse his day. And the oyster spoke and said, Let the day perish wherein I was spawned, and the night in which it was said, A seed oyster has appeared. Why is light given to him that is in misery, and life to the bitter in soul. Why do I live my days in doubt and darkness? Oh, that one would hear me and tell me openly of the glories above. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me. And to his utter astonishment, a voice said, All right, all right, but I have to make it short. It's Friday afternoon. It's all true. There are things you never even dreamt of, all kinds of things, and with moves you couldn't imagine if you tried. As a matter of fact, that's your problem. There you sit, with a rock on one side and a starfish on the other. My apologies. It's a limited field of vision, I admit, but it's in the evolutionary scale business. You've got to put a lot of things near the bottom. Spoils the effect if you don't. 
Anyway, the moves. I'll tell you a few. Basketball. College basketball, especially. The best ones are so flashy, they make you laugh for not being able to believe the guy actually made the shot. And squirrels going through trees. One of my best effects. You know the last time a squirrel missed his footing? I keep track of such things. It was May 3rd, 1438. Definitely a record. And it's not all slapdash either. I've got creatures so graceful they almost break your heart. When it comes to exquisite moves, my favorite maybe is girls' knees. Lovely. Some people think that's a funny thing to get excited about, but in my line of work, there's no substitute for enthusiasm. Seriously, if you take the knee thing and really go all the way with it, you get my absolute favorite for loveliness, a prima ballerina. Talk about moves. It's like Ernie DiGergario, Marcel Marceau, and Squirrel Nutkin all rolled together. But as a girl, which, which makes it that much better. Terrific. Listen, though, it's almost sundown, and I have to set a good example. As I said, your basic problem is your point of view. There really are all these great moves, but you unfortunately don't know from motion. If you're going into business as the world's first philosophical oyster, it's okay by me. But just so you shouldn't get it all wrong, I'll give you one piece of advice. Think very carefully. Remember that all this stuff really is, but it can't possibly be the way you think. Or to turn it around, the way you think about things will never be exactly the same as the way they are. But enough, I have to run. Mazel tov! And with that, the voice ceases and the oyster was left alone with his thoughts. He felt both humbler and more elated than ever before. He resolved to philosophize no matter what the difficulties, and in order to make the best of the world's, the voice's advice, he decided to put himself into a methodical frame of mind. What follows is a transcript of his train of thought. 1. There is motion. I, as an oyster, can distinguish two sorts. The first is being moved. For example, both the stone and myself can be moved by oystermen. The second is moving on one's own. The stone cannot do this at all. I can move the part of myself within my shell, but I cannot move the whole self from place to place. The starfish can move from place to place. 2. The voice was quite clear on the existence of more mobile creatures than the starfish. Let me see what I can say about the prima ballerina. Hmm. Starfish move. Ballerinas move. Starfish attack oysters. Can starfish attack ballerinas? Hmm. This is problematical. Perhaps a tentative solution would be that since the ballerina's motion is apparently far more eminent than the starfish's, a ballerina would invariably move in such a way to avoid starfish. There are unresolved difficulties, however. For example, I do not know whether starfish and ballerinas occupy the same medium. I also do not know whether starfish have any interest in attacking ballerinas. So let me begin again. 
Starfish move, ballerinas move. Starfish are deadly to oysters. Are ballerinas deadly to oysters? One line of approach would seem to be that, since the voice says that ballerinas are his absolute favorite for loveliness, and since loveliness and deadliness do not seem to be compatible, the ballerina cannot be deadly to the oyster. This depends, of course, on what is meant by loveliness and deadliness. It also might depend on whether a ballerina's possible deadliness to the oyster proceeds out of her nature, as the starfish's does, or out of some accidental or acquired taste, as it were. If the latter were true, then it might be that not every ballerina is deadly to oysters. In any case, there's not enough evidence to resolve the question. So even though the voice's enthusiasm for the world of higher emotions seems to have suspended my own doubts, it is disturbing to think how easily a skeptical oyster could argue from all this that ballerinas do not exist, but rather are nothing more than a distracting hypothesis invented by oysters who cannot face the grimness of existence without flinching. Tentatively, then, I shall list the following as the chief properties of the prima ballerina. 1. Mobility. It's like the starfishes, but better. 2. Invulnerability to starfish. It's likely, anyway. 3. Loveliness. We have to take it on faith. And 4. Deadliness. It's possible, but not certain. There is a good deal unresolved here. Perhaps it would be useful to consider next what ballerinas are for. This is a fascinating but tiring subject. At least, though, the seawater seems refreshing again. And that, my friends, is the parable about theology from Robert Farrar Capone. I don't know if you were able to make it through that. Reading is very, very difficult on a podcast. It's obvious I was reading. But listen, the point is... Sometimes we take our theology so seriously. God has definitely given us a revelation of himself in Scripture, even in nature, in our conscience. But just as this oyster took a revelation from God about prima ballerinas and then made all sorts of outlandish conclusions about prima ballerinas, whom he'd never seen and never would see, he knew nothing about them, but he ends up concluding that the prima ballerina is probably a deadly creature because it has better movement than the starfish. Look, those sorts of conclusions from the oyster are sometimes sometimes similar to the sorts of conclusions that you and I might make about God, about Scripture, about Jesus. We have revelation from God, but we need to be very careful that we distinguish between the revelation from God that we have received and the conclusions of our philosophy, our theology— that we come to based on that revelation. Lots and lots and lots of people confuse the two. They think that whatever they think about God is exactly what God is like, even though what they might think about God is like an oyster thinking about a prima ballerina. Okay, Keep that in mind as we go forward in Theology.fm. Sometimes I will be presenting speakers and podcasts to you simply to challenge your thinking on a subject. 
not always, obviously, going to agree with everything that these podcasters, these preachers, these pastors and authors say, but it's all part of the ever-widening conversation. That's ultimately my goal. I want to introduce ideas and themes to you, and I want you to argue back if you want to. Discuss these things, think about them, dwell upon them. Ultimately, though, look, have fun. Theology is supposed to be entertaining. It's a form of entertainment. Some people talk about sports or the weather or politics. Other people talk about God. And as long as we think about it this way, as a, as a way of talking about, way of uh, occupying our minds, entertaining our minds with, with things of God, look, we can learn from each other. We can sharpen each other. We can, we can dwell on what, in my opinion, is one of the most fascinating and interesting and infinitely complex subjects in the entire universe the subject of God. But let's do it without getting angry at each other. Let's, let's, let's discuss theology without calling each other names or pointing the finger or condemning one another as heretics. That's the goal of theology.fm. Broaden the conversation. Invite voices into the conversation so that we can learn from each other about God and about Jesus Christ, who has called us to follow him into the world. I really encourage you to get that book from Robert Farrar Capone. You can find a link to it in the show notes. While you do that, also, uh, go and leave a comment uh, about what you, what you think. You know, what can we know for sure about theology? What do you think about this parable? Is it as simple as Robert Farrar Capone has said? Is our revelation from God really sort of like this revelation that the oyster received about prima ballerinas? Is our conclusions about God possibly, maybe, as far-fetched as the oysters' conclusions were about prima ballerinas? Look, answer these questions in the comment section. You can uh, find the comments uh, for this show at theology.fm slash Jeremy Myers slash zero zero. That's how I'm going to introduce, that's how the links are going to work for these shows, each contributor will be following the theology.fm. It'll be theology.fm, and then the contributor's name, and then the number episode for Theology FM, uh, the website. That's where you can always find the podcast episodes easily, find the show notes, and also leave a comment if you'd like. I want to thank you for listening to this show, and I'd really appreciate it if, since this show is brand new, you would go leave a rating and review at iTunes. Doing so is going to help raise the podcast up in the iTunes rankings, and that will allow other people to find this Theology.fm podcast as well. And that will widen the conversation even more. So I would really appreciate it if you do that. Also, it's going to help you talk with me about ideas and suggestions to make this show even better. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and we will see you in the next episode, the very first official episode, when we are going to have our first presenter be Brian Zahn, pastor of Word of Life Church out of Kansas City. Thank you for listening. We'll see you then.